On Monday, August 8th, Tall Can Audio hits 1,000 episodes. Wait, that's still on? Who could possibly still care? And the gang is all here to celebrate. It's euphoric. It's got to be close to Nirvana. It's outstanding. For the first time ever, Maddie, Michaela, Rob, and Matt are all live in studio together. It's happening, you guys! It's happening! Oh my god! Oh my god! I wish you all were here! Is this likely to go well? Just check my notes here. No! At least it will make a lot of noise. Boom. Here comes the boom. A thousand pods and a thousand pints. I don't think I've ever been as proud in my entire life. TCA 1000 drops Monday, August 8th, wherever you find low-quality podcasts. Fuck, it's out of control. Shit. You're listening to Tall Can Audio, Canada's number one craft beer-fueled sports show. I will give you a show like you have never, ever seen before. Why? Because I can. Here's your host. No, God! No, God, please, no! 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 Matt Robinson. Hello, everybody. Welcome inside an all-new episode of the Tall Can Audio Podcast for your Tuesday morning this week, following a holiday Monday. Hope you've all had a great long weekend, and now a shortened work week. You can almost see Friday from here. Not too bad at all. Uh, my name is Matt Robinson in our studio in beautiful Bytown, Canada. We are on Twitter and Instagram at Tall Can Audio, and I hope you'll subscribe wherever you're listening right now. Uh, normally, this would be a time slot where Rob would join me, but his slack ass is still on vacation for a few more days. He will be back next Monday morning by the uh, the time we do our our next start of the week podcast. So uh, you can look forward to him rejoining the show then. Uh, but in his place, we have found a suitable replacement. Uh, we're going to be joined today by Mike Wilner, longtime voice of the Blue Jays on the uh, Fan 590, did uh, a lot of pregame shows, of course your Jays talk afterwards, called games, um, you know, he's been around the team forever, now working for the Toronto Star, uh, doing a bunch of writing there as well as hosting the Deep Left Field podcast, which I'd highly recommend if you're a Blue Jays fan that you go check that one out. Uh, he's going to be here today. We'll be talking all about the trade deadline. We'll be talking about the Jays' return to the Sky Dome for the first time in almost two years. Uh, lots to get to with Mike uh, on that front. So we're really happy he's here today. Before we get to him, should tee up a couple things in case you missed it over the long weekend. We did drop a special edition of the podcast. That's episode 861 with Ray Ferraro of TSN and ESPN. Lots to get to with him. NHL free agency uh, well underway. Most of the big names gone now. Uh, why the Lightning remains so good. Whether the Leafs are still on the right track with the big four. And uh, his decision to move over and start doing some work for ESPN and, and what that'll mean for his time with TSN moving forward next season. So highly recommend you go back and check that one out. That's episode 861. Like I said, wherever you're listening to this on whatever app you got, um, you'll find it. 
It's 861. Dropped it over the long weekend. Bit of a surprise, so maybe you missed it. Highly recommend you go back and check that one out. It's also at tallcanaudio.com. Later on this week, we are back with the CFL. On, uh, what is it, Thursday? The CFL season kicks off. We lost an entire 2020 season to the pandemic. So they are back. Kicking things off on Thursday, the Red Blacks, of course, uh, kicking things off on Saturday. We will be joined by AJ Jakubek from TSN 1200, a CFL expert, the voice of the Ottawa Red Blacks on the radio. Um, so really looking forward to having him on the show to help get us all set for action in the CFL. Uh, that's going to be great. Again, wherever you're listening right now, you'll be able to find that one. If you haven't yet, you should probably just go right ahead and subscribe right now. Then you won't have to worry about missing it. It'll just be there in your podcast feed, right? So you're just going to want to go ahead and do that. That'll be AJ Jackubeck. We're probably going to drop that one on Friday morning. Not 100% sure yet, but uh, we there will be one game behind us at that point, but that's okay. We're, uh, we're teeing up the season. We're going to talk a lot of Red Blacks. So we will do that Friday morning. And uh, you can look for AJ Jackie back then. So all kinds of great stuff going on around the Tall Can Audio Podcast. And uh, I hope you'll stick around and, and join us for all that. But in the meantime, it has been a busy couple of days for the Toronto Blue Jays. Big acquisitions at the trade deadline. They have crossed the border. The birds have flown north and are back at the Dome. Uh, we're going to talk all about it with uh, Mike Wilner from the Toronto Star right now on Tall Can Audio. So as promised, happy to welcome in on his drive home from the stadium after the uh, Sunday victory by the Toronto Blue Jays uh, uh, from the Toronto Star, but a lot of you will also know him from his time with the Fan 590 and Jays Talk. Mike Wilner's here. How are you doing today, Mike? Doing all right, Matt. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate you making some time. And, uh, you know, there's there's some places we would normally start on our show, but... Um, you know, we reference that you are on your way home from the Dome on a Sunday afternoon. It's 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 the Jays' first weekend back in Canada in almost two years. Been 672 days now, I guess 670 days from uh, from Friday when they initially got back. But uh, you know, we got to start there. How are you feeling after your first weekend back in the Dome with fans? The team is back. What was that experience like this weekend? It was. I mean, it was pretty neat as far as fans go. Um, as far as, you know, ball games in Toronto and, and, um, being at the dome, uh, on a personal level, it was a little different, you know, going to the press box instead of the broadcast booth sure. and, and all that kind of stuff. But, uh, but I mean, the, the feeling around here, um, the, the, the energy at the ballpark, the people, the, uh, just, you know, watching the Blue Jays play, um, a major league game in a major league stadium at home, um, that's that's really something. So it was it was an outstanding weekend. Uh, did it feel like I guess it was Saturday? There was uh, the weather turned a little bit, and they had to start closing up the dome, um, or at least the roof a little bit. And they opened some other doors. I know they got some protocols. Was there any part of that that was? I don't want to say concerning, maybe that's too strong of a word um, that you, you know, suddenly maybe you're more aware of, right? A lot of people haven't been in crowds like this in a very long time. Um, did it feel strange in that regard or was it just, you know, overwhelmingly nice to be back around people in baseball? I mean, I think it would have felt strange had I not had like the immersion therapy of being in a couple of games in Buffalo and doing that, uh, exhibition pre-olympic tour that i did mm -hmm. i think if 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 friday had been my first day among people and in a crowd 
than it would have been overwhelming and it would have been scary and weird and, and all that stuff. Um, and you know what? The first game I went to in Buffalo on July the 4th was like that. But, it, you know, I got used to it after a little bit and you're know, seeing all those people around and being unmasked around people. And that's that's not even um, a concern at the dome. You have to be wearing your mask, right. although people yeah. are, aren't. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But it's funny. You know what? I haven't been in the in the seating area in the bowl but I've walked around the concourses and, and I've, um, I've, I've walked past a bunch of people. And honestly, the, uh, the only people I've seen who weren't wearing their masks properly were Roger Center employees, which is kind of disturbing. Sure. Um, but, uh, but, you know, for the most part, the fans in the concourses are being good about it. Once they get out into the seating section, uh, less good about it. But, um, <laughs> But hopefully that, that'll come with time. But as far as the roof thing on Saturday, um, the thing is it's still such a huge place, right? Even when the roof is closed. Yep. Um, it, 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 obviously you're indoors, but it, it, there's so much air circulating. And I, I'm not sure it's, it's that much of a greater issue even with that roof closed with all that room in there. Yeah, I've wondered that since they started pitching the idea of coming home and what this was going to look like. And once the CFL got the go-ahead to do, you know, 15,000 people outdoors, you know, what the dome was going to qualify as and whether they'd be mandated to keep the roof open or, you know, if it, you know, be subject to rain delays or like anywhere else or you close it and and you can't have fans. I wondered all along what this was going to look like, but uh, seems like... Everybody was pretty comfortable with uh, with how it worked. It was a little bit strange to see everybody kind of grouped together befi- uh, behind home plate. Do you think that's, you know, the skeptic in me says those are the expensive seats. They're the, the ones you'd like to sell early on. But um, maybe I've, I've seen other people rightfully point out, you know, you can have fewer people than staffing entrances and concessions and cleaning less bathrooms and stuff like that if everybody's grouped into one area. Do you have any thoughts on kind of how they spread it out there? Or? Uh, I mean, it looked like um, there there are sections where there are pods and there are sections where everyone's just sitting together. And you're right, those behind the plate, more expensive seats are the ones um, with the uh, with the the no no pa- no pods, no breathing room. Mm-hmm. The six sections from the foul lines down towards home plate. Those are all the separated sections. Right. Uh, honestly, I don't know how it works, vaccinated versus <laughs> unvaccinated. I, if it were up to me, I would say that if you're not fully vaccinated, you can't come to a, a, a large public gathering, right. period. Um, so it wouldn't be that much that much of a concern. But this is the way that uh, public health and uh, the Blue Jays have combined to decide how to do it. And we'll see. I mean... Uh, I'm I'm not anticipating any major outbreaks, but uh, but let's hope not. Sure, um, you know, there's a before we go too far down any of these other rabbit holes. One of the places that uh, that we normally start on this show, Mike, before the pandemic, when we could actually do these interviews in person, half the idea was. Um, for people who were into such things, we'd offer them a craft beer of some kind and, and we would enjoy that as we chatted. And of course, now we haven't been in person with anybody in quite some time, but uh, my listeners still insist that I ask everybody whether they're into that scene at all. And if so, if they have a favorite uh, kind of local brewery or anything like that, that maybe they'd like to uh, to shout out on the show. I'm 
not a beer drinker. Right. Okay. Uh, but uh, but you know what? Left Field Brewery in Toronto has done some wonderful things. Uh, there, uh, I'm on the board of the Canadian Baseball Hall of Fame, and Left Field has has done some cooperative crossovers with us at the hall. So if yeah, if I'm given an opportunity to shout out a local small brewery. There you go. Left Field Brewery in Toronto. Love hearing about them because they've also done a lot of really good things on the, on the social side of things, their hiring practices and the, the groups that they choose to work with. Uh, got nothing but good things to say about Left Field. So uh, perfect. Love when they get shouted out. Um, I'm curious, Mike, as you know, last season rolled out and um, you, know, you ended up moving over to the Toronto Star from a longtime perch at, uh, at the Fan 590. I wonder what the experience has been like for you switching from talking about baseball to writing about baseball. Um, probably, you know, the first time you've been doing too much of that in, in a long time. What's the transition been like? It's a nice way to put it. Uh, switched over. <laughs> well, <laughs> look, I'm very happy with, uh, with the, the way I've, uh, where I landed. Um, but, uh, yeah, there, there are people who believe that when the announcement said parted ways, that it was my choice. It was not. Um, <laughs> sure. I, I, uh, I thoroughly enjoyed broadcasting Blue Jays baseball for the last couple of decades and would have loved to have done it for the next couple of decades. But, uh, unfortunately, that wasn't, uh, that wasn't the way the people who ran that show felt as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, as far as... I mean, to wind up at such an iconic Toronto place as the star, it couldn't have been better for me. I'm so thrilled to be there and uh, thrilled to be surrounded by the great people there. And and it's, you know, how many places in media right now are actually hiring and expanding? Um, So it speaks so well of what's happening at the star. uh, and as far as the writing thing goes, you know what? It's, it's really not that different. I, I have to tell you, it's, um, you know, what I used to do, uh, I don't know how many people remember this, but for years and years and years, I had a post-game blog um, with the, uh, on the fan website. Mm-hmm. And what I would do was I would call the 5th and 6th. I would um, start writing and write through the seventh, eighth, and ninth, and then uh, get on the air and, and do the postgame show. So uh, this is it's not that unusual what I'm doing. It's it's um, uh, basically I'm you know watching the game, figuring out what I want to talk about, and then when the seventh inning rolls around, I start writing, and, and uh, um, you know I usually file as soon as the last pitch is thrown, and uh, and off we go. And I still get to interact with people on Twitter and. And I'm still, you know, I'm doing the podcast, so I still am dipping a toe into the, the broadcasting into things. And the truth of the matter is we're looking at expanding the podcast. And I would love to someday figure out a way how to uh, sort of make it Jay's talkie again on a regular basis and, and interact with people that way. And, I'm surprised and, uh, you missed the Jay's talk thing, to be honest with you, Mike. <laughs> Uh, it's it's great to talk to people and, and, uh, and to have that level of interaction. And, and uh, um, you know, if we do wind up doing something like that, then I haven't even skipped a beat. It's the best of both worlds. 
when you moved over to the star and and you referenced the podcast there for people who want to check it it's called deep left field it's awesome if you're into the blue jays you're you're not going to find any of them that are any better um is that well of you thank you is is that your idea because you know you've, you've still got that love for sort of the radio side of it is that something the star maybe asks you to do because you've got the experience with it how does that part of it come together well i mean when when you've covered a team on the radio for over three decades this is my 34th season covering this team uh, and that's gonna that's not only is a part of part of my brand but it's part of what what people associate with me and so um it's it's a natural thing that whoever was gonna uh hire me after uh, and again thrilled that it was the start was gonna have me do a podcast and 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 be um you know continue that part of of what i do because that's a it's a way to connect with people and it's a way to um get people to connect with me. So, you know, it, as opposed to the whole, Hey, we're turning this broadcaster into a writer. It's, Hey, we have this broadcaster who's going to continue to broadcast, but also going to write for us. Um, and yeah, it was, it, it was a topic of conversation from the first time I talked to them and had they not suggested it, I would, I mean, I don't even really know who did first, right. but it, it was just such a natural thing that was bound to happen. So on this subject, I have two more quick ones here for you on that subject. When you, what, on the day to day, Mike, what is harder? What's worse? What's more frustrating? A, a Jay's talk call in segment or several segments after a rough Jay's stretch or Jay's Twitter on just an average day when things are fine, nothing's all that crazy. (laughs) Wow. I was not expecting that to be the second part of the question. Uh, Look, Jay's Twitter, it can be a horrible place. It really can. And people, um, there, there's a segment of people who are never happy about anything, no matter what. Um, and, and there aren't enough people who are vocally, you know, from a, a reasonable and rational perspective. But look, that's not what sports fandom is. And what I learned a long time ago is that, um, you know, the same way that people don't pick up the phone to call a post game show and say, talk about how great things are. Mm -hmm. People also don't go on social media to talk about uh, positive things and great things and and, uh, that things are are going well. It's, it's uh, especially Twitter where, you know, it's funny that I keep seeing people uh, asking Twitter for an edit button. Hey, can't we have an edit button? Why why won't you give us an edit button? And I'm thinking, well, just proofread the damn tweets, you know, Just, just, take a second and look at what you've written before you post it. And then you wouldn't need an edit button, but that's not what Twitter is. It's instant. It's angry. It's emotional. Um, and, and, you know, I feel like, uh, from the, the first day I started, you know, doing post game, doing that sort of radio and stuff. I remember listening to, uh, call-in shows before I started doing call-in shows and and a caller would just start off the call with a statement that was like utterly outrageous uh, and completely untrue from a factual perspective and the host would go "Uh uh-huh 
and they would just keep going. Right. And I, I thought, I'm never going to be that guy because it's really important, especially if you're angry. <laughs> it's really important that you understand what you're talking about. And it's, you know, and the over the course of the last five years in the world, truth has begun to mean a lot less. Yeah. And people have been able to just go out and say whatever the hell they want and if there are any consequences it's just cancel culture cancel culture um so i feel like the truth is exceedingly important maybe more now than it's been in the last 70 years so um i feel like uh, let's make that 80 years because uh, i can't do math but um but i feel like it's important when someone and i'm not going to go out of my way to look for it but when someone comes to me with something that's emotional mm-hmm. and angry based on something that's not true, right. I'm going to tell them whether it's true or not. And I still feel like even after 20 years of Jay's talkiness, <laughs> I still feel like there are people out there who just fire their hot takes at me wanting me to say you know what you're right and when i don't they get really really angry right yeah it, i don't it, get that it, well it's so true eh? because as soon as i accept your false premise and then even if my answer kind of walks you back a little bit i've given credibility to this thing that wasn't true to start with and you know there yeah. are places in the world especially in media where that might be more important than in baseball but just in generally or in general we need to stop just accepting those premises even if we're gonna, even if it's a way to gently walk you back into reality, it maybe it's more important to just be like, no, that's not accurate. So yeah, I don't know how to answer your question. <laughs> like, no, I, I agree with you completely. And people can say, ah, it's just Twitter; it doesn't matter, or eh, it's just sports; it doesn't matter. It, it matters. Right. Being truth, the truth matters, regardless of of where it is. And there's opinion, and there, you know, I certainly wasn't the first person to say on the radio that you're more than entitled to your own opinion, but you're not entitled to your own facts. Um, But now people feel like they are entitled to their own facts. Mm -hmm. And I think that sort of pushes me even harder to rage against that. Yeah. And I guess sort of just self-indulgently, Mike, and it's a little silly, (laughs) but that's okay. The second part of that, is there like a secret rehab group for post game? Like do you and Andy Frost from Leafs talk ever get together and like, and just help, each other through this support this have you ever had maybe to, to be a little less silly but have you ever spoken to andy frost who like you and him are the guys that i remember you know late night after a game you know i'd be getting ready to to shut it down for the day or whatever those were the two shows you'd listen to after the game was leafs talk or jay's talk have you ever spoken to andy frost about doing the same thing on on the leafs beat and just being like what are these people talking about <laughs> I mean, we, we've, we've talked, but not specific. I don't think we've specifically like sat down and just sort of unburdened <laughs> ourselves on each other or anything like that. Andy was a lot nicer to people than I was. Um, and I, I, you know, I sort of, I don't know if that served me well or not, but I, I, I was, I was, I didn't hide my dismissiveness of, right. <laughs> of the irrational, right? Um, you had I, to I really did. push Andy, right? Like you were trading right. a fifth round pick and your worst prospect for Brett Hull or something. And then maybe Andy Frost would 
tell you you were not smart. Like, yeah, I, I, I mean, yeah, it's, but that's, look, that's, that's the, not the audience, but that's the contributors to yeah. shows like that. It's the people who are motivated to pick up the phone and, and call right. and it's because they're angry and, or also it's because when they call, uh, the host has to listen to them and maybe they can't get anybody in their real life. To <laughs> it's true. And one of the things they taught us there when I was going through broadcast school was that you would only in regardless of your, you know, whether you're hosting a pop music morning show or sports talk, you would only ever hear from like 8% of your audience and the rest are happy to just sit and listen. They don't really want to yep. contribute to the, uh, so you're right. The people who do pick up the phone are usually, oh, someone's going to hear me right now. I'm upset. And, uh, and I guess that's how it kind of shakes loose. Um, and they also, I mean, and they also think, and I'm right. Yeah. Well, and then they don't like to hear that they're not right. Um, let's talk a little bit about the deadline that just went by, Mike. That's something a little more positive, a little more fun. The Jays pick out a, or pick up a top end, uh, arm for the rotation in, uh, in Barrios and a couple of more bullpen arms, a lot of people throwing around. And I saw you react to it there on Twitter just before we started talking that the comparison to 2015, um, how do you feel about uh, you know they they did guard themselves in the in Barrios and making sure that he would be around for 2022 as well. But you know what did you kind of re, what did you think of and and were you surprised that this management group said you know let's you know we're only four and a half out at the time let's see if we can take a run here. Did that surprise you at all? I'm floored. Not not that not that they thought they might like take a shot, but that they would trade uh, Austin Martin and Simeon Woods Richardson. I never saw that coming, and I, I believe. I even wrote a column. I wrote, I wrote a column about, um, you know, uh, trade tiers and who the Blue Jays might move and, and who to expect and what might come back. And I said, Austin Martin, Simeon Woods Richardson aren't going anywhere. Right. And, and I firmly believed that at the time. And, um, you know, they were never going to trade them for a rental, that's for sure. But I didn't think they were going to deal them at all. I thought it was way too important to the Blue Jays front office to continue to have one of the best minor league systems every year. Um, and, and I thought that might've even been a, maybe even a little more important than pushing your chips in to, to try to win a championship. And I'm glad to see that it isn't. Um, uh, so yeah, I, I did not see this coming and, and I'm thrilled that they did it because of the message that it sends uh, both to the players and to the fans that, they're not just looking to be good for a long time. They're looking to do what they have to do to be great. Right. And, um, you know, again, I don't think the division is especially realistic. Right. But I do think that, you know, Boston ain't as good as, as uh, they've played. Um, and maybe that you're only doing it for a shot at a wild card game, which is going to be in Tampa Bay or Boston a one game elimination uh, and it's really not worth giving up your finest meats and cheeses to do that. But that's, you know, it's Barrios for this year and it's Barrios for next year. And, um, and the, the, the team deserves it. The position player group deserved this infusion of pitching. And, uh, and I think it's, it's phenomenal. And yeah, there are 2015 vibes and I don't think they have to go 44 and 13 the rest of the way, like they did, uh, in 2015 to clinch the division in, in order to make the playoffs. I think that, 
Um, now that they have Barrios, assuming that Ryu and Ray and Manoa stay healthy, um, this is one of the best teams in the league. And and three and a half, four and a half, whatever it is, when when people hear this, uh, that's nothing over over two months of baseball. Right. Um, at the risk of getting the uh, the Mike Wilner treatment on Jay's talk here, I want to be careful how I ask this question. Do you think? There was any sense of, we're coming home, we want to get some excitement back. It is only 15,000 seats there, or 15,000 people are allowed to have in the building, so it's not like you're trying to sell out a 50,000 seat dome. But is there any chance that, you know, we're sort of in it, four and a half's not that far, and, and this guy will be with us for another year. Is there maybe a slight PR part of this that just says, as we're coming home, let's do something big and really get the fan base whipped up? Or is it strictly baseball, do you think? No, I think it's a little bit of everything. Uh, but I don't know about the PR just because, you know, does Jose Barrios' name mean anything to casual baseball fans right. in Toronto? Um, so I, I don't think from that end. But I do, you know, Mark Shapiro said um, a couple of weeks ago and, and then again when he was on uh, Deep Left Field with me, or I guess in deep left field with sure. me, why not? <laughs> um, but he said that, you know, there, there's uh, there's something to be said for finishing this story uh, with a big exclamation point. Um, you know, the, the wandering through, not playing a home game for a year and a half and dealing with all this COVID stuff and being the only team that didn't really have a home and all of that, um, to, to be able to... Um, put that cherry on top and win the whole shebang. Um, he felt like there was, he would really like to be a part of that. Mm -hmm. And so, um, that's one of the reasons they, they did this, uh, because it gave them the opportunity to end this story. Well, um, and then keep it going into next year. So, um, so I guess the answer to your question is kind of yes, right. but maybe not for the PR reason, but just for the, um, because it, yeah, they're going to sell 15,000, they're going to sell 14, sure. five, whatever they're going to sell. Uh, they're going to sell what they can sell. Um, so it's not that, but it is, there, there is definitely something to it. Okay. Well, you'll note, good listener there, he didn't hang up on me like I've heard him do on other people. So, uh, I only hang up on people who are being jackasses, so <laughs> Well, that's early. Uh, regardless of the question. All right. Um, one of the other things here, Mike, I, I wanted to ask you about it. You, you mentioned there the team was sort of wandering around. They were spent last year down in Buffalo and, and, you know, there was talk at different times early on that they might be playing home games in Pittsburgh or Baltimore. Yep. Uh, they wandered through that. And then it was um, down in Dunedin and back to Buffalo but the world's a little different in the U.S. in terms of the freedoms that you're afforded and having your families around and stuff like that. And I wonder how much, now that they've come home, it is back in front of your home fans, and we're thrilled to have them back. But we saw Ross Stripling comment on, well, I'm leaving my my family behind right now. It's not a great time for them to come across the border. And um, do you think there's parts of this, like half this team wasn't here when they played their last game you know, in the dome in September, 2019, are, is there still going to be a section of this team that for the last two months still doesn't quite feel at home that maybe, you know, they don't have a place. They've never lived here before. Maybe it will still be kind of hotel living. Is there as fans, do we maybe overlook that side of 
coming home a little bit? You know, I've, I've thought the exact same thing. Um, and, and I, you know, especially when everyone's talked about and everyone has talked about how great it's going to be in Toronto and how wonderful it'll be to be back in Toronto. And, and I've thought, well, yeah, but 18 of you guys have never been here before. Right. Um, or, or at least never played here as Blue Jays. How are you going to feel like it's home? But I, I really do think that um, there's something to having a major league facility that is yours, having a phenomenal home clubhouse, and the Blue Jays is one of the best in the game. Uh, all the all everything you need, all the facilities, and 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 uh, um, you know everything is major league, and I think that's what it means to them more and actually you know not actively having your home fans cheering against you like they did so often in Dunedin and Buffalo um I think that's what it means the the family perspective is not insignificant by any means but it's two months and it's the same two months as it was last year when right. it's two months um so and and you know um your family can come and the blue Jays are so young that there aren't a lot of them with young kids, but there are, there are some. Um, and I don't, I know vaccinated, you can cross by land, but these guys aren't crossing by land anyway. So they might have to quarantine. Um, but vaccinated, the, the rules may be changing uh, within the next couple of weeks. So hopefully it'll be a lot easier on them. Uh, their families can meet them on the road. Um, you know, there, like you said, there's a lot more freedom of movement uh, across the United States where they're they have been acting like the pandemic is over for a couple of months. And now they're kind of getting smacked in the face a little bit about that. Um, but I, I don't think it's going to be. Um, like, I think Ross Stripling, who was the one to comment on it, yeah. is going to find that it's easier than he thought it was going to be. Because he will still get to to see he's got a newborn. Um, he'll get to see them if if they want to move around the U.S. when the Jays are on the road, which they will be half the time. Yep. Yeah. I don't right. know how home homey home it is. Yeah. I was I was very surprised to see what Bo Bichette wrote in the Players Tribune and gratified that he feels that way. Yeah. Um, but you know, it was it was a little bit of a surprise because uh, Bo Bichette's played what. 40 games now right. in Toronto or something. Yeah. You know, one of the, uh, the other things I thought was pretty cool that was going on with you as, as the Jays were getting up and running again and talking about coming home is you got to call some action, uh, pre Olympics for team Israel. And, um, I guess they, you'd be able to explain it maybe better than, than I would certainly, you know, we're doing a little barnstorming and, and trying to get some action in before, uh, before the Olympic games. And, and you were able to, to call some of their games. And I'm curious, how that uh, that particular opportunity arises and and what that was kind of what that was like it was unbelievable um yeah look they 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 had to get ready for the olympics um so a lot of them were in north america anyway i think there are only four israeli born players out of the now 23 people on the team mm-hmm. um because john moss got got hurt after facing one batter which sucked the former cincinnati red was supposed to be their ace, but anyway, um, yeah, so most of them were, were North American. So what they did was, uh, instead of getting together for a training camp, um, they got together for, yeah, a little barnstorming tour and they played nine games, uh, in 
New York and uh, Connecticut, and Pennsylvania and Maryland uh, over the course of 10 days. And I got to call them all. And it was it was just it was so wonderful, um, gratifying and, and heartwarming and rewarding and, and all of that stuff. Um, uh, it, it came about because earlier this year, I just happened to see that there was an Israel baseball podcast and I thought, what's that? (laughs) And I, uh, checked it out and I listened to it and I reached out to Frankie Sachs, who is the host of that podcast. Um, and who is like the communications director for the Olympic team. And I said, uh, you know, this is who I am. This is what I've done. I would be thrilled to help you in any way I can um, and and to be a part of this. And, and whatever you need, let me know. And we talked for a while. He had me pop on and co-host with him uh, for a couple of the, the shows, which was great. I put together um, uh, a show on opening day in the major leagues where I got uh, three other Jewish longtime baseball uh, reporters together. And we talked about, um, you know, what it was like growing up Jewish and baseball and the connection and going to work in the industry and all that stuff, uh, which was a lot of fun. Um, And then, and he just sort of dropped on me in April. Hey, by the way, uh, we might be doing this thing. Would you like to call the games? And I, (laughs) yeah, yes, very much, please. Um, so it was great. It was a volunteer thing. And I, I drove around uh, following the team bus from uh, New York to Hartford to Harrisburg to Lancaster and Bethesda and Aberdeen and Long Island afterwards. And, and uh, so these and like double A teams they're taking on? No, it was no. mostly collegiate wood bat all star teams. Okay. Yeah. Um, so it was, you know, not exactly the highest level of competition, but, um, but there were some fun games and some great. Um, great plays and great players. And they happened to be in Hartford the same time as the New Hampshire Fisher cats were in Hartford. Um, so I got to, uh, I got asked by Tyler Murray, who is the voice of the Fisher cats to call a game with him. And that was just unbelievable as well. And so much fun. I got to talk to Austin Martin and Simeon Woods Richardson and Samad Taylor and Jordan Groshans and, uh, got a ton of audio for deep left field, which is going to be great. Um, but you know, it was as as a as a Jewish kid growing up in Toronto in a, in a big Jewish community in Toronto and and uh, going to day school and and uh, all the way through high school, um, I have a, a real connection to to the religion and a real connection to Israel. And um, it's it it was you know to to be at that first game on Coney Island, which was crazy. Like you're at this. <laughs> gorgeous little minor league ballpark and beyond the left field wall there are like four roller coasters and beyond the right (laughs) field wall is the atlantic ocean it was unbelievable um but just to be there i'm getting goosebumps right now telling you to hear the uh to hear hatikva the israeli national anthem uh played before baseball game that i was at in it was insane and uh and i loved every minute of it and the the greatest thing to come out of this would be if I somehow wound up like being the voice of baseball, the voice of Israel baseball, along with all this other stuff, it would just be unbelievable. 
Yeah, I, I thought that was a really cool story to see uh, see you doing it, to see it getting some coverage, and as they were gearing up to to you know kind of follow your uh, your social media as you were kind of touring around with them a little bit, uh, it was really fun to watch. And the last one I got for you here, Mike, I know it's cliched. I know you've probably been asked a hundred times, but I'm curious because when I think about Mike Wilner calls, you I don't know maybe you'll be disappointed to hear I think of a preseason call as you are calling Gladys <laughs> Montreal walk-off home run um, at the Big O. Just an unbelievable, you know, set of circumstances to see it come up that way. He's not yet the Vladdy we know him to be now, and yet he still creates this moment. Um, I don't know. I'll I'll leave it to you, you know, uh, your choice. Take me inside that call and what that was like, or give me one that in your mind is bigger or better that you enjoyed more. All right, here's Vladimir Guerrero Jr., the crowd on its feet. We know what they want, and we know what Vladdy wants. Nothing, nothing. Two out bottom of the ninth. Guerrero wearing his dad's old number 27. The 1-0 pitch. Swung on and belted. Deep left center field. Are you kidding me? Vladimir Guerrero Jr. just walked it off. The Blue Jays win it one nothing. Can I see the script you wrote, Elliot? Unbelievable. He's being mobbed at home plate by his teammates, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. has just hit a mammoth home run, and the Blue Jays beat the Cardinals one to nothing. Look, that was, I mean, you're right, it was a preseason game. There was so much going on with that. that I mean, it's definitely in my top three all time, if not the best one. Um, uh, I remember uh, game five, in LDS, the inning before the bat flip. I called the sixth. The bat flip happened in the seventh. Mm-hmm. But Cole Hamels was just ramming it down the Blue Jays. And it was an elimination game. And, you know, we thought, is this it? Are they done? They were down 2-1 for the long time. And Edwin Encarnacion tied the game in the bottom of the sixth. Right. A, a massive home run. It's a natural reaction for a fielder to go out and catch the baseball. Edwin crushes one! Deep left field! This game is tied! The Parrots going for a winner-take-all walk! A mammoth home run for Edwin Encarnacion! And the Blue Jays have tied it up 2-2! That's one that's that might be the most significant as far as mean baseball goes, but that Vladdy thing, I mean, the emotions were through the roof and, you know, from a personal perspective too, this was, um, the last game of spring training. And I had been told at the time that I wasn't getting a play play job and that I wasn't going to be able to any more innings during the season and um and they were going to continue to find uh, to look for someone to work with ben wagner the job that they eventually finally gave to me right. a couple of months later but i thought that that was the last baseball game I was ever going to call in my life and i thought that that was the last thing <laughs> that i was ever going to call wow. was that home run yeah, so I mean that just adds a few more layers onto it. Um, but you know, even without that, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. 
18 years old in Montreal, where he was born, where his father played, and became a Hall of Famer, and uh, and bring up a nothing nothing game with two out in the ninth inning. <laughs> it's one of the most ridiculous scenarios that have, has ever happened. And uh, and uh, I was doing it with Elliot Price, and Elliot Price uh, was you know all the Expos games on the radio and on the internet for a decade or so, I think. He literally had tears in his eyes when the ball went out of the ballpark. And I turned and looked at him, and he's crying. And I'm like, like, could more stuff be happening right now? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that was that was just incredible. And I'm glad that I I didn't blow it, um, like I almost did with his with like I did when with the ball that I thought was going to be his first home run in his uh, in his debut game. So. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, that was that was a really really special day. Yeah, and uh, you know I you know in doing some research and looking back, whatever I've always remembered that call, and, and you know it doesn't even matter that it's exhibition, right? They they stick with you, and it's you know I, I still get goosebumps listening to that one because it's just a hell of a story. And then the background that you're able to put into it there um, will, of course, have dubbed the audio in here for the good listener. But man, just uh, just awesome. Listen, Mike, I, I don't want to take any more of your time. I know you got a ton going on, and. Um, it's been a busy weekend around the ballpark and you're back at it Monday afternoon for a holiday Monday game. I really appreciate you making some time. Thank you so much, Mike. Uh, my pleasure. This has been great. I enjoyed it a lot. Um, really appreciate it, Mike. Thank you so much. Enjoy the, uh, I don't know, hopefully try and get some sleep, I guess, before the, uh, the late night call. And, uh, hopefully we can do this again down the road. Yeah. I, I, uh, I enjoyed it. So there you go, Mike Wilner, the Toronto Star on the Deep Left Field podcast. Uh, really good dude. Um, really appreciate him making some time for us. thought the story about uh, being able to do some work there with Team Israel before they got ready for the Olympics was really cool. And just some of the behind-the-scenes stuff that was going on when Vladdy Guerrero hits that home run at the Big O a couple of years ago. Man, there's a bunch of context there that even I wasn't sure about. So um, cool of him to to share some stories there that I, I don't think he's ever shared before. Um, and yeah, been a great couple days for the Blue Jays. They uh, they swept Kansas City right out of town, which is great because I've just never gotten over the whole 2015 Kansas City thing. Um, so always good to see us beat them. And uh, yeah, just being back at the Dome, a couple nice trade deadline moves there. Um, really appreciate Mike making some time to come on and, and talk all about it with us. And, and we'll do it again down the road. Uh, He's one of those guys that you really should be following. He's on Twitter at Wilnerness. We will, of course, share those links, um, of course, to the uh, to that and the Deep Left Field podcast in the show notes at tallcanaudio.com. So you'll be able to find that there. And don't forget, you should go back. If you're into the hockey stuff, you can go back. Episode 861, Ray Ferraro from ESPN and TSN was on that episode. And moving forward, I think it'll be Friday morning, AJ Jackubeck talking all things CFL as we kick things off on the 2021 CFL season after missing an entire year last year. That's going to be great as well. And of course, don't forget the Paralympic Games just around the corner. Um, it'll be after the AJ show, so probably a week or two from now. But uh, Team Canada's Amy Burke will return to the podcast as well. Uh, she's been around here forever since our uh, our very first year on the gig. She does a bunch of the voice work on the intros and outros as well. But her main deal, her big gig, is representing Canada on the international stage. So Amy will be back as well. You can look forward to that one in a week or two. Uh, that's been it, guys. 
This has been a great episode. Really enjoyed talking to Mike. Hope you enjoyed the show. We are on Twitter and Instagram at TallCanAudio. You can subscribe wherever you're listening right now. And until next time, my name is Matt Robinson, and we will see you all later. It is over! Now that's a tasty beverage. Thanks for listening. You can get more TCA at TallCanAudio.com or by searching TallCanAudio on your favorite podcast app.